Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. Hey, welcome to another episode of My Undocumented Ass Podcast. We got a real treat today. We have a, a, a writer on Jane Diversion, uh, all-around star. This dude created his own show when he was in college that he toured the country with. Uh, and also, you know, he came when he was very young from Ecuador, grew up undocumented, but made the best out of out of life in Hollywood and, and made it in Hollywood. Uh, you guys are going to enjoy the conversation. I love talking to Rafael Augustine, author of Illegally Yours. Check it out. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast with Che Guerrero. The you winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I exactly. get it. Like people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Thank you for doing my my undocumented ass podcast today, man. It, it, it's nice. You, when it comes to undocumented asses. There is <laughs> one true influencer in this world, and that is you, my friend. Oh man, listen, it's 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 a blessing that people even you know have gravitated to what I do like that, and that it's 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 made it easier for people to talk about growing up undocumented without you know with all the fears that that comes around it, and. Uh, Man, I want to get into your story right away. I always start off with, with the big question, you know, how did it happen for you? Like, what was what was your beginning journey to, to unfortunately, the undocumented experience? Uh, for, for me, it, it began, you know, simply with, I guess, my parents' dream to become doctors in the United States. Oh. My dad, a, a pediatric surgeon who came to this country to work at a car wash, you know, and, and my mom, an anesthesiologist who came to work at a Kmart. Uh, unfortunately, like many immigrants, they realize before them, they realized that, um, you know, that the American dream will, will, will not be for them, but for their mm. children. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the hard truth that my parents had to learn in this country. That's actually how I end the first chapter, man. Like it, it brought me to tears to think that, man, they didn't accomplish their dreams. Mm. Um, and then I was really pissed off <laughs> because I realized I, I grew up with so much stress to be like successful with all this trauma to be the perfect child to make sure that their sacrifices like mattered yeah right? and it wasn't until i was an adult i was like oh man that, that was like crippling crippling pressure that was that's put on us you know what i mean as somebody else who has who has been in the entertainment industry, also like because that is the ultimate like, you know, you made in America try to make it in Hollywood or in the industry. But as somebody like myself, when I was doing comedy, I was undocumented, and I kept telling myself, okay, if you make enough money one day, you'll get a good lawyer to help you out of this, to help your mom out of this. Like everything that she did will be like for something, yo. And legit, the first twelve years of my comedy career was like it was like vibrating. Like I need something to happen for my family. You know, it, it is so much stress that you put on yourself and you can't just enjoy the art that you're making like anybody else. And I got I got to tell you, the I wrote this book in hopes that like undocumented Americans would like feel seen even like Latinos and Latinas. But the people who reached out to me the most are like first generation Americans and, and children of immigrants. Yeah, uh, that that part of the book really spoke to so many people like, yo, that happened to me. Yo, that's how my parents were. So I'm, yeah. I'm so I'm so fortunate and lucky and blessed that it has reached like, you know, folks like that who, who have felt unseen, especially in the chapters that I talk about my struggles with. Should I go into entertainment? Should yeah. I go into into the arts? I feel terrible at the idea of my parents sacrificed everything. And here I am 
rolling the dice on like film and TV, you know? Yeah. And, and let, let, so let, yeah, let's go back a little bit. So your parents, and by the way, you said something that I just made a video about how many people come from Latin America with degrees and educations and then have to like, you know, unfortunately settle for things that is not even anywhere near their field. You know, I used to do an old joke. They used to go, you know, my dad in DR, he was a dentist, but when he came here, he became a uh, alcoholic. You know, it's a, it's a, the big transition, but he crushed it. You know what I mean? Cause it really it broke his spirit. Like my dad, I think the thing that broke my dad the most employee was not month, every month. <laughs> was that? He was employee of the month. Every month. Every... <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to actually write that down. Yeah. Well, that's, a good, that's good for the, for the bit, for the bit. No. Yeah. He, and he, honestly, it was a thing that I saw it when I was six, I saw it be his downfall. I saw it be that he couldn't be a dentist here and that he, you know, really started drinking and gambling and it really, it, it broke him. He thought that he was going to come here and be able to be at that. He didn't know for some, I was like, I mean, even when I was a kid, I was like, you didn't do all your due diligence before coming here. You know what I mean? Like, whether or not you could work but yeah it's it's so crushing yeah and and you know that was before i'm assuming before they had access to like internet and being able yeah. to research everything right they mm -hmm. just came blindly yes it's, 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 I, I couldn't even be i couldn't even imagine making a, a journey like that man that's true I back then you know, unless i look at the yelp and yeah. like you know, <laughs> airbnb reviews i'm like no I, I can't i can't do this yeah if every latin family just looked at america like two stars nah i ain't going two there stars, <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm not going there. <laughs> so, so you were like, you were, where were you born? You were born in Ecuador, right? I was born in Ecuador. Yeah. In okay. Guayaquil. Guayaquil. Yeah. And how old were you? How did you, how did you come here? They, we came when I was seven years old. Oh, wow. Same as me. Uh, and, and you know, the, the whole thing about my journey and about the book that, that is not unique, but I think like, you know, general, American audiences haven't heard it is that I didn't know the truth of our immigration problems growing up. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad kept that from me. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I kind of discovered like so many undocumented students do today. I discovered it like applying to go to college. I discovered it like trying to get a driver's license. And then, you know, my parents had to like break it down as to, you know, this is why you couldn't get a driver's license. And mm -hmm. This is why you couldn't get a worker's permit, you know? Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, I'm actually writing, I know you're a writer, so I'm not trying to like, you know, throw my stuff at you, but I'm also writing a TV show oh, about the undocumented awesome. experience. Yeah, um, I had a, a little bit of uh, Eva Longoria's team was kind of interested. And um, yeah, it, it is about uh, a 17 year old who finds out he's undocumented right when he's about thinking about going to college. And it is that, that, like it fishers your world. You know what I mean? You have all this idea of going to college. I had a scholarship for St. John's University in New York. And just like, in, you know, before Google, we didn't know, like, really, like, my tia and my tia were just like, you're undocumented, man, you can't get the scholarship. And I was like, what does that mean? And they just started breaking it down for me of all things that I couldn't do. But they didn't even, like, try to Google. I mean, because back then, it's 2006, so it's still, like, not really. I don't even think we had a computer at home at that time, even still. <laughs> That's crazy. And it was very, like, just just dismiss your dreams and figure out, work at Subways. Bro, our, stories, our stories are so similar because I was accepted to the to a bunch of UCs in California. Wow. And I remember one sent me a letter that said, you are a perfect candidate. Can you please send us your real social security number? That's when I was like, wait, mom, what is what is well, your real one? We ran this through in a, <laughs> and I have in a, a night. I, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> wow, man. We should really get together and then fix up the show that I have because it's like legit the same thing, man. <laughs> it's legit. And we need to get together and get you on the daily show, man. I love I love oh. your, your news segments. They're so funny, man. Oh, uh, thanks. I try, you know, I, I try to like really people like that because I really like going after white people and I realize like, yeah, like I really make like like white bullshit look like a real news segment. I'm like that is fun. Even I sometimes I'm like, oh, that is fun, <laughs> you know. Um so you grew up like your parents went straight from Ecuador. You went straight to California, and that's where you you grew up. Because you, you got accepted to a bunch of useful schools. <laughs> yeah, and it and it's very um, unusual for like an Ecuadorian to end up in Los Angeles because I I'm pretty sure we mostly go straight to New York or Miami. Okay. <laughs> okay. Closer. Yeah. I have a lot of Ecuadorian friends and family out in the East Coast, and I yeah. know very few here. Wow. Uh, you know, I was seven, and you know, one of my uncles. Married my aunt, who's from Monterrey, Mexico. So I, I grew up thinking I was just Mexican. That's <laughs> <laughs> all, all I knew, man. Dude, in New York City, I just thought I was Puerto Rican. I was like, you know what? I'm just Puerto Rican. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Puerto Rican. You pick, you pick whatever's like closest to you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that, that's why they speak Spanish. You know, they they eat some kind of beans. Let's do this. Yeah, pernil. I like pork. Yeah, same thing. We got it. We got it here. Mofongo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, came came to LA when I was seven, and I've been in LA County my my whole life. Okay. I'm the byproduct of LA public schools. I, I, I ended up in community college. I don't know what you did after you, you just, you realized that you couldn't get financial aid or scholarships to go to, to university. I, I ended up in the California community college system. Okay. It's the only thing I could pay for out of pocket. Okay. And uh, what did you study? Well, that was the thing. Like, cause you know, my, my parents are in the medical field and I have a lot of family and my grandfather who Mm. I admired was a, was a lawyer. So I was like, Maybe law, maybe medicine, but then when I go to community college, I'm able to like just explore what I want to do for the first time. Yeah, there were there were like there were no borders in in community college, especially in education. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, I went like through the entire course catalog in alphabetical order. I was like, I don't know how long my immigration problems are going to last. I'm just going to get as much education going. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, my time here. Like, I might it might be two years. It might be 20 years. I don't know. So I go in alphabetical order. I'm like, A in anthropology, B for biology, <laughs> C in chemistry. I didn't do good in chemistry. Yeah. Uh, and then think about how many classes I went through before I got to like T for theater. OK, and that's when everything like started to change for me, because uh, there was something about theater I, I, I joke in the book that, well, I had been acting American my whole life, so acting felt natural. Um, but I found a lot of like self-worth and self my self-esteem started building on stage. And, and I kind of liked it. It was probably the love and admiration that I was missing from my community and from this country that, you know, wants you to go back to your to your to your own country. Yeah. Um, and, and that was that was the start of my artistic career so when i look back at it i have to be completely honest and be like yo my immigration problems made me a tv writer because i would have never ever gotten into the arts if not for community college goosebumps legit legit what happened to me bro i was 18 out of high school i remember i never forget in my basement on the phone with my girlfriend at the time telling her like not telling her that I was undocumented, but like telling her, like, I can't go to college. I can't, you know, she's like, why? And I'm like, I just, you know, I just, I just can't afford it. And there's a lot of things going on in my life. And she goes, I'll never forget. She goes, you're funny. You ever thought about doing something with funny? And I literally Googled, which is like two years later, it was like 2008. I Googled funny jobs. And mm-hmm. 
I was in New York City and stand-up comedian came up. You know what I mean? It was like, and I just, I just happened. I didn't even know that New York City was the mecca of comedy. And I just, I was like, okay, well, let, let's try this. Wow. I went out, did one open mic, got, got a few laughs. I'm not going to even like front like I bombed. No, I actually got a few laughs. And I stepped outside into that, that brisk New York City air. And I looked up and I went, you know what? If all my friends are going to college for the next four or eight years, that's my school for the next four years. Beautiful. That's what I'm going to learn how to do. Beautiful. I'm, I'm going to learn from everybody who wants to teach me comedy. I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to go after anybody who wants to teach me. I overshot it. It's been 16 years now. I overshot it twice <laughs> over. But you know what? I would not have become a center comedian because my dream was to be a doctor. Wow. I, was in, I was in high school. Great at med medical terminology, CPR. I was in courses for, for I, I actually won. I was the president of the Health Occupation Students of America of New York City. That's how I got my scholarship to go to St. John's. Dude, I was on a path to be a cardiologist. And then because I couldn't get started, I was like, all right, dick jokes. <laughs> 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 I was legit the same thing here, bro. Wow. And look at us, two like would-be doctors who <laughs> way into the entertainment industry through our immigration problems. Yeah. Uh, that's that's remarkable. Also, and the and the TV show based on your life, you tell your girlfriend, don't ask me why, but we should get married. And she goes, You're funny, you should do comedy. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's such a, you are a writer. God. Uh, God, that's so good. <laughs> when, yeah. Like, tell me a little bit about your journey. Cause I mean, for people who don't know, like, you know, you, you ended up on Jane the Virgin. You, you, you yeah. got to write for a lot of things. So like, yeah. what was that? Like, if you could give us a little, like skipping a hop step from like college yeah. to theater to like, okay, this is where my, where I'm going to go. So, um, I, the funny thing is, you know, when there's this myth of, why don't you go stand in line or why don't you go do, do it the right way? Mm -hmm. There is no right way. And there is no freaking line that that's what people don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, we quote unquote did it the right way, but it took us 15 years to get wow. processed. And some of my friends from like Canada did the same process I did and got, got their papers in three months. Do you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. 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 That's what happens when you're from a, "Quote unquote shithole country," and that's and that's what people don't understand about the immigration system is that every country is a different relationship. So people, right. every single person is screwed a different way. Unless you're white from Canada or from the EU or some shit, that's very easy to you know get their citizenship and bring it over here. Yeah, they said, "What's the difference between Cuba and the Dominican Republic?" For the love of God, nothing except for like international pol international policy. That's you know. Treats them differently, but yeah. in any case, um, by the time I do get my green card, like after 15 years, mm. uh, and I'm in community college, I actually get my green card on the same day that I get my acceptance to UCLA. Oh my god, dude! When I got those two envelopes in the mail, whoa! I was with my mom and dad when they came in, and I just we just started bawling. We we held each other, cried, mm. and I was like, okay, I'm gonna start. I'm ready to start my American life, and then. I go to, I get accepted to UCLA uh, School of Theater, Film, and Television because my dad had wanted to work at UCLA Medical his whole life and couldn't do it. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll make your dreams come true, not realizing that I was really like um, upsetting him by following arts. <laughs> <laughs> you go where I want to go, but like completely different path. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm at UCLA, man. And it was, it was really, it was really hard because. 
you know, at that time, there were like no minorities, let alone mm-hmm. like Latinos and Latinas. Mm-hmm. And um, I go on an acting scholarship and, and don't get cast in anything. So I'm like, I suck. I should change my major to like sociology. I auditioned for like Shakespeare, Tennessee Williams, Arthur Miller. And it's not until there's a production of Short Eyes by Miguel Pinero okay. that I get cast as the lead. Short Eyes is a prison drama. So, so oh. I'm, in, I'm in a a, con, a convict in prison, going like, "Oh, wait a minute, hold up!" <laughs> like I was like, "No, this, this, I I can't be in like Victorian England, but I could be in Sing Sing." Okay, no, yeah, we gotta change this. I've had those realizations early on, like, "Oh, I'm only playing oh. criminals or thieves." Bro. Yeah, and that and that's when I realized. Luckily, in community college and university, and I'm sure you have through your work in stand up. That you have to, you absolutely have to write yourself into existence. Mm-hmm. And wow. that and that's when I started, that's when it dawned on me. Holy shit, if I can't, if no one's gonna see me like as a full-blooded, multi-dimensional, complex human being, I have to write those characters. Wow. So then I got together with some great fucking mentors that I had in community college, uh Liesel Reinhardt and, and Stephen T. Siegel, both incredible professionals like my mentor steven t siegel created ben 10 for cartoon and big hero six for disney yeah so he took me and he was like yo i'm I'm gonna the two of them lisa and steve were like we're gonna show you how to how to write a show Mm -hmm. and they were like but don't do a one-man show because that's super boring (laughs) why don't you like get your buddies to do a show together and i swear to you my my buddy miles gregley who's black uh, and Alan Axabaugh, who's uh, Filipino American. The three of us were at UCLA feeling the same, um, not not, not just, I don't want to say oppression, but we were just like not happy with what was happening to us. And Alan was really into like slam poetry and Miles was big into stand up, and I was doing theater and we needed outlets that, traditionally wouldn't accept people of color mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so then we all got together and we're like yo let's just write a show mm-hmm. let's write a show so that we can like shine maybe it'll be like a like a talent showcase then we could put all these like different like styles and genres together we can blend hip-hop and stand up and and like sketch comedy so we do this show at ucla not expecting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Man, it becomes like a cult phenomenon on campus. Wow. I, I can't even tell you what it's called. People have to read the book to find out the title. Yeah. But it was NWC. And NWC stands for three derogatory terms. Uh. We did it as a comedy show. Mm-hmm. The freaking LA Times heard about this crazy student show that was selling out, creating this buzz. So they run this gigantic story on us. And we're, we're, we're still like undergrads. Yeah. Um, and the phone started ringing. We go from a student show to like a professional run in downtown Los Angeles. Wow. We were selling out this run. And the only reason we had to stop was because we had finals. <laughs> <laughs> Peter was like, what are you doing? You should stop. Keep going. And we're like, you don't understand. We're like the first in our families in this country to like graduate. We had to do that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was a stupid business decision. But we had finals, bro. We had to take it. But You had to do it. But from that run, we we get picked up to do a national tour. Wow! By, by a big like performing arts center like management company, who who also reps like Merce Cunningham Theater Company's uh, 
uh, Actors Gang, Kronos Quartet, the Watts, the, the Watts Profits, like just like very big, like uh, performing arts center um, companies. So then we go from a student show to a professional run in downtown LA at the Los Angeles Theater Center to a national tour, like in three months. It, it happened so incredibly fast for us. Wow, that's amazing. Like you never hear of things like that, like really. And and there's so much, as you know, there's so much money in touring, especially yeah. because like the presenter pays for everything up front and it doesn't matter if you sell tickets, you're fully yeah. paid and they're paying for your hotel and they're paying for your travel. And then we're like touring nine months out of the year. We're like, we're famous in Casper, Wyoming, but no one are <laughs> in Los Angeles, right? And, and this is this is the problem of finding such ginormous success at an early age, man. We were so young, early 20s, touring the nation, being interviewed everywhere we go. We're always like on NPR and the local TV stations. But we weren't fulfilled because we were creating social change everywhere we went. And we just wanted to be rich and famous. <laughs> Your mind wasn't there, you know, on like what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're, we're winning awards and we're like, yo, where's the money at? (laughs) Gotta get my bag, gotta go hook up people. Like, (laughs) yeah, same thing with me. I was was making decent money as a stand up comedian, but I was like, where's, you know, I want my fame. You know what I mean? Like, I want the the big stuff. Yeah. People are like, I like your undocumented things. And I'm like, yeah, cool. It's my money. Like, I need need to get a lawyer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you weren't really enjoying it then. Bro, so that's, that's, that's what happened to us. And, And we toured for many years. And, you know, being part of a comedy group or a traveling like theater company, it's like a marriage, man. You really have to work at it. And each one of us were like, we were kind of unhappy because it, it happened so fast for us. We didn't even have time to think like, is yeah. this what we want to do? Do we want to spend the next couple of years touring the United States, um, living out of our suitcases? Um, and then eventually over time, we get participant media. I don't know if you know this company. Mm. They did like. Lincoln with Spielberg, they did the help. They did okay, okay, okay. They they're very um famous or they're very well known for doing progressive, like forward-thinking films that create social change. Wow. So they sh- they saw our show and they're like, yo, we want to make this into a TV show. And we're like, This is it, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the next phase. Show is autobiographical, so it's mm-hmm. like our lives, and then this is what we've been touring to get the word out. This is it. This is what we want. We want this TV show ready for the next step. Uh, and man, my worst experience in, in Hollywood, I almost quit after this because I was so young. I didn't know what my voice was as a, as a writer. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, as like an immigrant, I was, I'm a huge people pleaser. Like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. You know? And when you're when you're making TV, it's very collaborative. But the creator of the show, the writers, they have to have a vision, mm-hmm. or else they will be eaten up by this machinery. Yeah. So what happened was we came in with the idea of what the show was, but then the producers like give their input, the showrunner gives their input, mm-hmm. the studio gives their input, the network gives their input, and what comes out of that sausage making machine in our case was a show with our names that we didn't even like. Do you know what uh, I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. And this is, this is the the big lesson for me in Hollywood that mm. success has many parents, but failure is an orphan. Mm-hmm. 
if that show would have worked, everybody would have taken credit. It would have been mm-hmm. like, we found it, we did this, we developed it, we did. But when it didn't work, they were like, your name's on that. That's on you. Yeah. doesn't matter how much we fucked it up. Yep. It's all on you. I was, I was so heartbroken. Cause again, it's like, felt like it was my life's work and it's my life story. So I was like, okay, this is it. I I'm never going to make it in Hollywood. I should just like stick to theater. Um, and it was, so, so here's the funny thing about our show, because like I said, it hit a lot of social mm-hmm. justice pieces. We did a lot of community residencies. We did a lot of performing art residencies. We did a lot of college residencies. And it was in those conversations all over the United States. I'm talking like we're in the middle of Kentucky, mm-hmm. in the middle of like the 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 dialogue on race and like immigration. We're like in Pennsylvania and Illinois, just places I never thought I'd be speaking to people. Yeah. And I realized that I people it's easy for people to vilify others, especially if they never interact with them. But when we show up into your neighborhood and you're mm-hmm. like, I've never seen a Latino in my life. I've never seen a black person in my life. And you start talking to us and see us as human beings, mm-hmm. hearts and minds change, man. And yeah. especially on immigration, like I would, I would meet people who are like, get out of my country. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when I would explain something as simple as look, my parents, they paid. They filed and paid their taxes every day they've been in this country. Mm-hmm. They they filed their income tax. We all pay sales tax. We all pay. They pay property tax, but they're not allowed to vote or be part of the political process. Yeah. And the idea that there's no taxation without representation is what the American Revolution was founded on. Mm-hmm. When I would connect the dots for mm-hmm. people, their minds would be like. <laughs> No, yeah. they would be like, oh well i i didn't know no one tells us that you know what i mean mm-hmm. people are selfish until it gets to their own yeah, circle yeah, yeah. they they don't care about it or they don't care to understand and sometimes people are like god you know it's not my job to explain to white people what's going on or to citizens you know and sometimes i'm like you know what through my stand-up act i i get a an easy way of telling people what's going on they get to laugh and they get to learn and then afterwards they'll come out and they'll be like hey man i didn't know it was so scary you know you know, you're going to get deported by ice that your mom is using as a way to get you just to clean up your room. You know what I mean? That's funny, but damn, that's serious. And I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's helping them learn a little bit of the fear that you live every day. And, you know, I hate it that I have to go all the way to like upper Michigan, you know, almost Canada to be one of the first few immigrants there. But they're like, man, I like you. I like what you have to say. And I'm like, I came far to, to tell you, but I came, you know, you to the upper peninsula. Yeah. Or you yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I got to tell you as someone from LA, I thought I was going to hit the road, that we were going to hit the road, and I was going to meet a lot of, like, clans people. Um, but everyone – and then there was some of those people. You know what I mean? You're right. But, but the majority of Americans that I ran into were always people who were just ignorant. There was a lack of diversity. Um, they, they just hadn't been exposed. And once they deal with you – man, yeah. we, had a, we had a beautiful meaning – older white lady in Minnesota during the Q&A go, you know, uh, when I hear you guys talk, you don't sound like black and Latino. And <laughs> you guys sound like you're from California. And I'm like, we are from California. <laughs> and, and, but it took the whole audience to be like, what did she just say? Like, those are the kinds of people like that exist out there. So, you know, we, we did some good. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, uh, to go back to the question as, yeah. as to how did you get started in the industry, 
It was through this show. It was through wow. touring the United States. It was doing these like community residencies and events when I finally realized, you know what? If I'm going to fail in Hollywood, I want to fail by my own merits. I don't want to be rejected and be like, you never got an opportunity because you did this one show <laughs> and you adapted it per people's request. Mm -hmm. I want to fail because I put everything, my, everything in the kitchen sink my heart and my aspirations into a script. Yeah. So that's what I did. That's when I was like, man, if I could reach a wide audience and just help them understand that we are also American, yeah. that's how we change the dialogue on immigration in this country. And that's how with, with one of my mentors, Liesl, she was like, I have a crazy idea. Why don't you think of doing a life story framed as the wonder years now mm. i don't know if you ever remember the wonder years yeah yeah i love that i actually just rewatched the pilot i was, I was going through a pilot gambit good so i just rewatched the pilot and, and let me tell you as a, as a uh, soon to be working tv writer watch as many pilots as you can it's mm. your greatest like tv film school yeah uh, but but back to the wonder years it's just simply the story of someone narrating their lives right um, it's like a boomer generation looking back. Yeah, yeah. Now it looks more like it, yeah. So that's that's what I put together. I was like, what if I tell my story now as an adult looking back at my life when I discovered I was undocumented in high school? Wow. So I wrote that as a script. And sure enough, man, it was writing my truth, my, my story on paper that made me a Sundance Institute fellow, wow. which got me my first Hollywood agent. It got me my first TV sale because I sold it with CBS Studios. Wow. And then that's what got me staffed on Jane the Virgin. Whoa, dude, so, you, man, you are the, you, you, I just learned this recently. Just, just show up. Do you know what I mean? Just show up, like just show up and do the work. You know, who knows what will come out of it. But if, if it's a passion of yours and like you said, you have a, a, a vision that you have to show up and do your work and you'll never know where it'll lead, man. That's, oh my God, that's amazing. And, and I got to tell you, that's what Sundance told me when they accepted me as, as a fellow. Um, they were like, you've done the work. We, we get a lot of like great scripts from people who, who are like, a, you know, sometimes they're a one hit wonder or we get scripts that are not quite ready. But besides the script, we look at your resume and everything you've done. They're like, man, you've done the work. You're ready for this opportunity. And I, man, that was so fulfilling to my heart to hear someone else say that. That 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 is beautiful, man. I'm I'm so glad that that you got to that point. Uh, yeah, and that somebody recognized your work, and it's true. Like my, even for myself, you know, when I was doing stand up comedy, you know, the first ten years, uh, I didn't talk about being undocumented. So even looking back at that old set, it is just a stand up comedian. You know what I mean? You can't really differentiate me from any other anybody else in the club. But once I really started to like, because it was right when Trump came in office and I started to see the kids in cages and I was like, I cannot be quiet anymore, man. I have I have things to say. And I started really writing some jokes and building from one little joke. I build like almost a 40 minute set on being undocumented that I realized, man, I am not a comedian anymore. Like I am a I am an event. You know, I'm I'm a, a tour de force. Like, I mean, you come for this. You, you know, you want dick jokes? Go to someone else. You want to know about the undocumented experience? You come to me. And it became very, I didn't know that it was going to happen like that. But I was like, you know, what? I just, this is what I know. And this is the jokes that, that I love the most to tell. But that's what's so awesome about what you do. It's like, it's your unique POV. So, and 
if you like dick jokes, that's cool. But what's a dick yeah. joke for an undocumented marriage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like everything I do now. Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. a marriage joke for an undocumented yeah, marriage? Yeah. Like, what's yeah. a dick joke? That's what I'm doing now. Yeah. I'm rewriting everything that I wrote with the undocumented. Like, what's Beautiful. you on this? Yeah, Beautiful. exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. And you've God. done such a wonderful job at creating an audience and using the platform of TikTok, man. I'm really impressed by what you've done. Oh, thank you, man. Like, ever since I met you, I was like, I want to meet this dude. So when... <laughs> When someone says like, "Hey, he he wants to interview," I was like, "What the no, Jay, really?" Yeah. <laughs> man, next I, I next time I'm in LA, I'm definitely gonna gonna meet up with you and everything. Yeah, you know, and... When was the last time you were here? Uh, you know, you're gonna hate me. It was two weeks ago. <laughs> I was you should have done this in person. I man. know. I, I was putting out APBs to know who was in. I forgot that you were there, but trust me, trust me, I'm going to Tacoma in a month, and then I'm gonna like I'm going back to LA soon. So please, please. yeah, man, I, the West Coast. Honestly, like I want to live in the West Coast, man. I live being out there in California for a month meeting so many Latinos that are like, yo, California has, you know, a big Latino community, but also, you know, the border cross us, you know what I mean? In that sense. Yeah, so yeah. those communities have been there for a long time. There's artists out there that have like centuries of art that, they, you know, their families created. So I was like, bro, I want to be in this state. Like I want to be part of these movements that are happening. And it's just, I love it out there. You have to, man. It's, it's, it's very inspiring um, and also, don't forget that Hollywood resides in Los Angeles County, which is roughly 50% Latino. Wow. That's why the lack of diversity is so shameful to me. Whoa. Yeah, when you put those numbers into the neighborhood that, that Hollywood spews out of, you have yeah. 50% Latino and you've got maybe one Latino show on yeah. TV per season? That's, that's embarrassing. That's like when Chris Rock says, like, you have to try not to cast like Mexican Mexicans and Mexican Americans. Like you're purposely like not casting them. It's impossible yeah. to. You know, and I also like I bring up some some things, not even about diversity, but I bring up things about white actors that even white people are like, so what? Like, like most of Hollywood is made up with white people with blue eyes. And I'm like, you understand that having blue eyes is actually pretty rare. It's like only 3% of like the U.S. population. And then even white actors are like, so what? I just have to try three times harder if my eyes are not blue. I'm like, you're an idiot, bro. You're a, you understand that a person with blue eyes will get the job over a really good white actor with brown eyes. Yeah, I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. just the, the amount of specificity that Hollywood looks for, you're right. They, they have to reject everybody else to get to the blonde hair, blue eyed motherfucker. You already know. You're it's in a fucking insane. All right, I want to keep it to And we do it to our do, brother. We do it to ourselves. Turn yeah. on Univision and Telemundo. Yeah. I'm like, where are these white, white Spanish? Mm. And that's something like something that I was very, very like aware of when I was writing my show. You know, my mom looks a lot more mestiza. You know what I mean? Like I have family members who are black. And my sister is disabled. So I want to make sure that like, if I wrote a show, I wanted, you know, different, you know, mixed status you know, literally within our family, mixed color and also like, you know, disabled, not disabled. I wanted for you to really see what a, lot, a Latino family comes with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you just said something that I, I want to address real quick because I, I work with a lot of young up and coming writers. And I think it's very important that we don't see Latino as a genre. And I keep telling people this is Latino is not a genre. You don't have a Latino show. You don't have a Latina show. The genre is rom-com. The genre is sci-fi. The genre is murder mystery. That Latinidad needs to be that special icing on the cake. Oh, my God. I think it's very important to say it like that because we exclude ourselves from the conversation because, unfortunately, general market audiences are going to be like, I'm not Latino. I don't want to watch that. Yeah. But if you go, yo, this is a new zombie apocalypse 
HBO show mm-hmm. and the lead is Latino, all of a sudden everyone relates because they're yeah. not saying this is a Latino show. It's like the new Blue Beetle movie that's coming out. I heard like, yo, there's a new superhero, Blue Beetle. I always love this. Like, all Latino. I'm like, oh, hold up. Let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's my boy, like, Manuel Soto, and I cannot wait, dude. He was telling me it's so fucking fly. He's so happy. He's, he's a great freaking director, man. Puerto Rican. Oh my Super God. I can't wait to see what he put together. We have a, uh, unfortunately, we only got like five minutes left. So I would like for you, you know, just tell people like uh, about your book, where they can find it, you know, and just uh, anything else you want to hit us with before, before we get out of here. Cause I know you got some important things to do. No, man, we all, we all do think, and thank yeah. you for this time. And thank you for sharing your platform with me. Um, the book is a coming of age comedic memoir about an all American family that, you know, just happens to be undocumented. That, yeah. that's, that's the best way to talk about it. Yeah, uh, You can find it anywhere, wherever books are sold. And, um, you know, I've, I've been so fortunate that it's gotten such great reviews. Like, it's like my mom wrote them. <laughs> and I, and I, I think that comes from the fact that I insisted on writing a comedy. I, I have read other undocumented um memoirs yeah and they were very powerful and and there's a place for all types of writing but what struck struck out what stuck out to me was man there's so much humor and laughter and love in our community despite of our circumstances do you know what i mean yeah i wanted to paint the book in that same color that's why the book has i tried to make sure it has like so much heart and humor and i think that's why People who are not, who have not faced the same trials and tribulations as we have, relate to it because at the yeah. very least they can pick up a laugh and then learn something. That's great. Is it an audiobook too? It is. It is. I'm, I'm gonna listen to the audiobook. Yeah. I like I like listening to the artist and reading the book at the same time. So watch. And oh, next time I see you, I'm gonna get you to sign my. I'm gonna get you to sign my copy. I'm gonna go out and get it for for sure. Illegally yours by Rafael Augustine and uh, man. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, and where can they find you on, on TikTok or Instagram? Yeah, I'm Mr. Rafael Agustin. Uh, and, and, you know, spell it like it sounds. Mm. Rafael with an F, not a PH, goddammit. <laughs> In Latin America. <laughs> and uh, you know what's funny? Oh, dude, this is so funny. Um, you know, you, you have the Facebook for the family that you barely check. And you yeah, have yeah. Instagram for, for, like, for like the homies. Um, but my book publisher was like, Yo, you gotta get on TikTok. And I was like, TikTok, I'm not gonna do no TikToks. But she's like, that's actually where people buy books. That's yeah. actually where people discover the stuff that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. And not, man, now I'm all up on TikTok with yeah. all the doing these crazy ass dances. No, no, no. I, I, I saw your book. I saw you promoting your book before I even knew any of your work. And once I got into it, I was like, oh, he's a writer. Oh, he does this. Oh my God. Yeah. And I knew you from the book first. Man, I'm what, I'm what you call a geriatric millennial. <laughs> I'm here trying to live my best Gen Z life on TikTok. I feel a little old on there too, but I'm, I'm trying. You know, I stick my hair back in, in foliar, you know, so they won't oh, tell. They can't you're, tell. you're doing amazing work. Dude. I'm telling you, you need to be on the Daily Show, man. Oh, tell man. me who I'm going to call. From your mouth to, to God's ear, let's let's hope. And next time I'm there, man, I would love to meet up with you and seriously buy you a cup of coffee and just pick your brain more about this industry. Seriously, oh, for sure, man. This is this is a connection for life, man. I appreciate life. everything you've done. 
Thank you, man. Same here. And good luck with everything you're doing, man. We'll, we'll stay in touch, everybody. Rafael Augustine, thank you so much, man. I love you, all, man. Love you too, brother. Take thank care. Thank you. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.